Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It is grey, wet, gloomy as I look out the window here in the UK and that pretty much sums up the mood I think uh, around the place today after that disappointing defeat at West Ham last night. First of all apologies for this video, this episode coming out a little bit later on today but in giving probably with the way things are going today and how we're all feeling I've managed to record a show, get it all done, upload it and realised I did the whole thing on mute so there was no sound and so I'm having to do it all over again which you can imagine I'm really happy with. (laughs) just sums up uh, how I'm feeling today after that disappointing defeat. We will get stuck into that defeat in today's show. I've uh, got some questions and comments from you guys reacting to what happened last night. We'll look at what Mikel Arteta had to say and go over all the big talking points from what was a very disappointing result. And more so than that, probably a disappointing performance. You know, in the grand scheme of things, Arsenal going out of the Carabao Cup is not going to be viewed as the biggest of disasters, although I, and I will talk about this in the show, feel like this was a competition that Arsenal, I wanted Arsenal to progress in and to win because the trophies are hard to come by. You can't turn your nose up at any of them. Um, but obviously there are bigger priorities. We know that there are bigger priorities from what Arsenal hope and are wanting to achieve this season. But it was still just a really, really disappointing way to go out. They just were not It was just a really strange performance. So when you look at the stats, it looks like a game that Arsenal dominated. 14 shots to West Ham's five, 72% possession, 678 passes to 265%. Nearly a 90% pass accuracy rate for Arsenal, just 76% for, um, for West Ham. But when you were kind of, when you were watching it, it just felt a little bit different. I thought Arsenal... Certainly for the first half with a better team. I thought they were very unlucky to go in at halftime losing. I thought they created all the chances in the first half, really. Hadn't 
tested Fabianski enough. He made one good save from Havertz's header early on, but then the other opportunities Arsenal had, they didn't take advantage of. Eddie put a header wide. He put another shot over the top. Reese had a couple of good shooting opportunities. That the, the shot was blocked. Didn't even get to the goalkeeper. And of course, Arsenal conceded a strange goal in that first half of Ben White's own goal. Um, and so I thought they actually played relatively well in the first half. But what I was really surprised of was that the start of the second half, the way they played in that first sort of 20 minute period after half time, having gone into the break behind, you were expecting a reaction in that second half and it just never came. They were so sleepy. They almost conceded 30 seconds after kickoff when Bowen went through and Ramsdale made that save and then the ball was kind of cleared off the line. And you kind of thought, oh, that's going to be a bit of a let off that that will wake him up. But it didn't happen. You know, soon after West Ham made it two, two nil with a really simple goal. And it was a brilliant finish, brilliant control by Kudos. And the finish was great, but it was just such a poor goal from an Arsenal point of view to concede. One long ball pretty much from the halfway line. Zinchenko gets caught under it, gives Kudos far too much space. Neither he or Gabriel go to shut the shot down. And suddenly it's 2-0. And then soon after that, it's three with a deflected goal, which kind of summed up Arsenal's night. And it was just a really strange opening to that second half. I noticed as well, when they came out at half-time, it was really noticeable, I thought. The camera zoomed in as they were coming out the, out the tunnel. And you would expect, or I would have expected them to come out and they had a really sort of intense look on their faces to go out and turn things around to stay in the competition. But they looked... They looked more annoyed with each other when they came out. It looked like they'd had a big argument or something. And I don't know if they had. I'm sure there were some words said at halftime. But just the look on their faces, and I really thought it as I saw it, as I watched them coming out the tunnel, was that that just looks a little bit strange. It looks like they'd, they'd had a big argument. And they were, they just there was no real sort of unity or intensity on their faces as they came out in terms of let's let's right this wrong and turn this round. And I don't know if that played into the performance at the start of the second half or what, but it was just it was just strange. It was just something I noticed, and and um and yeah, it was just it was just it was odd. It was just a a really disappointing way to go out of a competition that, for me, I felt Arsenal had a really good opportunity of winning, you know. And I think today at London Colney, or I would hope today at London Colney, they're really going to be disappointed in the way they performed. And yes, look, Mikel Arteta made a lot of changes. The likes of Declan Rice. For example, was on the bench. Saka was on the bench. Martinelli was on the bench. Odegaard was on the bench. It wasn't a first-choice Arsenal team by any means. It was six changes from the team that won against Sheffield United at the weekend. But it was still a team that had a lot of good players in it that could have performed better. But they just didn't on the day. No one really stuck their hand up and took the opportunity that were given. And that was a big disappointment. And I'm sure Mikel Arteta is going to be very, very disappointed at that as well. And I could see... And again, now where I sit in the press box at West Ham, it's a long way. Everywhere's a long way away from the pitch at that stadium. It's just, it's, it's not a good place to watch football. But I was, I was very much paying attention to what was happening down below in the technical area and Arteta and the coaching staff. And they were so angry. You could see how animated they were in that second half. They were really not happy with what they were seeing. And I'm not surprised. And then after the game in his press conference, Mikel said, I'm very disappointed. Obviously, I'm responsible for that. We were out of the cup and we wanted to play a very different game, especially we wanted to compete in a game like this, which we discussed for 48 hours in a very different way to what we have done. He was asked about how disappointing he was, he, disappointed he was with the performance. And he said, first of all, there's disappointment with myself because obviously I wanted the team to play in a different way and we haven't managed to do that. And every time that you lose a game, the pain is there and we have to use this pain for Saturday, that's for sure. You know, he was clearly unhappy. And 
I think he would have made the players pretty aware of that. The fact that he's coming out and he's taking the blame, taking responsibility, you know, it's something that managers do, obviously. But I saw James McNicholas Gunnerblog put out a really good tweet after the game yesterday where he sort of compared those comments to what he said in the Amazon documentary after the Newcastle game at the end of the season when he kind of told them all to just shut up and that he was going to go out and take the blame for them again. And it's almost felt like it did when he was saying this because he expanded on it where he said... um. You know, the fact that you brought on your key players late on was that kind of sending a message to the players who were already on the pitch that they hadn't done enough, that you had to turn to the established players. And he said, there are no messages to send. Whatever messages we send, we send with words. We don't have to send them in a different way. We've tried to put out the team that we believe was the best to try and compete today in the right way to start the game. The game took a very different direction because of the first goal, and we can discuss that. But after that, we still have much more to do. Uh, much more from the team to earn the right to win in a place like this. Just all of those comments suggested to me that something that a lot of words I think were said when he said, look, whatever message we send, we send them with words. And, you know, I think he probably gave him a real talking to in, in the dressing room after that game. And if he didn't, I think he certainly will at London Colney today because he will be disappointed with what those players served up. They weren't good enough. I do think that Arteta didn't help himself. I have to say, I thought the team selection, as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, I don't know about that. I don't like that. The Havertz and Vieira combination in front of Jorginho, it just looked like a worrying selection for me. Now, it obviously wasn't helped with Smith-Rowe's injury, and we'll talk about Smith-Rowe a little bit later on in this show. I think had Arsenal had Smith-Rowe in there, I think they would have been an awful lot stronger in one of those two number eight positions. But Havertz and Vieira in front of Jorginho, I just thought Jorginho is going to be left very, very isolated here. And he did. And when you looked at West Ham's midfield, you know, West Ham went very strong. They had Paqueta in midfield, Alvarez in midfield, Suchek in midfield. And I just looked at that and, and I just thought, and we had players like Bowen sort of running in off the site. You're just like, oh, Jorginho could well be exposed here. And that's how it proved. And, you know, I think Arteta's team selection did not help at all with that performance last night at the midfield. It was, was just looked like, when you looked at it on paper, that was a risk. And um, and it was a risk that ultimately didn't pay off. So you also, obviously Arteta will be disappointed with the performance. But when he says he has to take responsibility as well, I think he probably has to, because I'm not sure he helped his team with that team selection. I don't think he sent the team out in the best way possible to win that game. Now, again, it's the Carabao Cup. Ultimately, I don't think Arsenal are going to be absolutely devastated. They're not going to shed in many tears about being out in this competition. But he did want to win it. Arteta does want to win it. The fact he sent on Saka, Martinelli, Declan Rice, Martin Odegaard. You know, he sent on Saka and Martinelli at 3-0, which I thought was mad, personally. But he did. And that so shows you he still wanted to try and win this game. And he still felt if you get a goal back, suddenly you could potentially turn it around. So you know, he's a winner, Arteta. He wants to win. But um, so he'll be disappointed that they're out. And they, I know he, he's definitely going to be disappointed that they're out. But I think... As he said, he has to take share some responsibility for it as well because I don't think the team, as good as some of those players are individually, I don't think it was set up well enough to compete against a really, you know, a tough team at a tough Premier League ground who were going pretty much full strength. So, um, so yeah, it's just a disappointing day all round, I think. And um, I'll talk a little bit more about that sort of team as I was talking about. And the, especially the number eights, because some of the guys, some of you guys who have sent in uh, comments, I think there's some really good comments in there from you guys. And you're talking specifically about some of the issues that uh, that Arsenal suffered in the game. So I'll talk about that a little bit more, especially this the Havertz, Vieira type um, uh, sort of debate that has been going on. But 
I will go through my player ranks. If you want to, if you want to hear a more in depth, then go back to I, I posted a video yesterday on YouTube. You can see it. Go more in depth into the player ratings. But I'll just go through them very, very quickly now. If you if you haven't seen it, you don't want to go back and watch the whole video. So I gave Ramsdale a four, White a five, Gabriel a five, Kivio was my man of the match actually. Who I gave a six, Inchenko gave a three, really poor from Zinchenko. I thought yesterday, Jorginho four, Vieira three, Havertz four. Maybe I bumped Vieira up to a four because he got the assist right at the end. Um, uh, Trossard four and Ketia four, Nelson six. I thought Nelson was pretty bright, especially in the first half. The subs who came on, Rice, Tomiyasu, R- Saka, Martinelli, I gave five because I didn't do too much to knock them out. I always start on a five. And if you do well, you go up to six, seven, eight. If you do well, you go below. And those guys just didn't do much to sort of move either way. I gave Odegaard a six because he came on and scored a, scored a good goal at the end. So they are my ratings. Like I said, if you want to go over and watch them more in depth, when I discuss and analyze it a little bit more, then check out yesterday's player ratings video. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, before I get on to some questions, obviously Smith Rowe's injury, that was a real shame. Big shame. And like I said, I think Arsenal would have been a hell of a lot better had Smith Rowe play, started that game yesterday in one of those two eights. I think they would have had more legs in the midfield. I think they would have had more bite in that midfield, more players who are willing to run forward and to get beyond the front line and link up with the front line. Um, he's got a knee injury. Mikel said he's going to be out for weeks. I mean, it's just, it's just a huge blow. I feel really sorry for Smith Rowe. Um, he kind of just worked his way back into the reckoning a little bit. It felt like he was up in the pecking order a little bit than he, more than he had been. He started at the weekend. He was getting coming on before Vieira. And then just when it looks like he'd worked his way back into the Arteta's thinking, now he gets this injury. And it's his first injury since the operation. You know, he's been injury-free for a long, long time now. And that's why it's just, it, I, I feel really sorry for him because it was such a key moment. He kind of felt in his Arsenal career almost and now he's got this injury and he's going to be out for quite a while by the sounds of it. And it's just a real shame for him. Mikel expanded on it a little bit more in his pre-match talk, in pre-match interview, where he said he felt something after the um, game at the weekend and it's got worse and worse. And he said, you know, he, he, Mikel, I think, described it as a big worry. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a real shame. And I, I do think Arsenal would have been a lot better had Emil Smith-Rowe been in that starting eleven last night. Okay, so th- these are some of the comments I wanted to talk about. Now, some of them are quite long, so I'm not going to sit here and read them all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can spend your time reading them while I'm discussing it. But Peter here says, says I think our biggest problem this season has been progressing the ball, and that lies with Jorginho and Zinchenko. They just aren't the players they were last season. It's a recipe to disaster when you couple that with Havertz and Vieira, who are too happy to play the simple pass. They don't treat every possession as an opportunity and often just lay the ball back to someone in a worse position. Another more critical analyst could call that 
hiding. He then talks about Aaron Ramsdale, who I will mention. But I thought that was a really interesting comment there. And Jorginho and Zinchenko, especially Zinchenko, you know, so crucial for Arsenal last season in that inverted role, coming in, progressing the ball forward. You know, he played some really, really good games for Arsenal. We haven't seen that. For whatever reason, Zinchenko is nowhere near the level that he was last season. And the fact that he started last night shows it in the pecking order when it comes to big games. He's behind Tommy Asu now. Tommy Asu is going to play at Newcastle. I think that's very, very obvious. And, you know, you wouldn't really have thought that at all possible last season. If Sinchenko's fit, he plays because he was so important for Arsenal. But he's just, he's really struggling. I thought he struggled again last night. Defensively, we know he's not the best, but he kind of makes up for that from what he does going forward and what he offers a team in those midfield areas. He's not even doing that this season, really. And that that is a bit of a worry, I have to say. So I thought that was an interesting comment from Peter. And then I'll go to this one from uh, Toad of the Toad Hall. He says, the thing is, the problem was the two eights. Constantly getting shoved off the ball, bad passes, low energy off the ball. Because of Fabio and Havertz, the wingers and Nketiah can barely get involved. Rice couldn't even handle those two flops in front of him, so he shouldn't be too harsh on Jorginho. When they did get the ball to the wide guys, the fullbacks didn't push on like normal. With Fabio and Havertz falling over and lumbering around, what do they do? They can't whip a cross in and Ketia isn't going to win it and the eights are go- just goofing about. So they either run down a blind alley, which they tried, or pass it backwards, which they did. Uh, he then continues as, as well, talking about some stuff. But I think the Havertz and Vieira thing is a really interesting point from what went wrong for Arsenal yesterday. And I talked about it. As soon as I saw that 11, I was worried about what it was going to bring because those two in front of Jorginho was going to leave Jorginho very, very exposed. And they did. And I also looked at it and I thought, what are they going to do? How are they going to impact the game going forward? Because we just haven't really seen it. Vieira's had flashes this season, but Havertz, we know, has done pretty much nothing, it's fair to say. And he did pretty much nothing last night. The first 10 minutes, I actually watched it and thought, oh, this is quite uh, encouraging. Havertz was putting himself about. He was challenging. He was biting into challenges. He had the header that was tipped over. But then that just quickly disappeared. And as the game wore on, he just faded completely out of it. And, you know, I don't want to hammer Kai Havertz. I want this to work. But what, we're in November now. He's been there a while. And you're just seeing nothing. And it was... even Watch... watch um, Odegaard's goal from last night and watch Havertz's movement in that goal. It's really odd. In You know, where Odegaard was, where he ends up shooting from, Havertz runs towards him. He basically takes himself out of the game and he does that a lot. He seems to do that a lot. When, when um, where is it? Peter here says another more critical analyst might call that hiding. And that's where he's talking about just sort of laying the ball off really, really easily, quickly to someone who's not even in a better position. He does that a lot. And that's clearly, I think, a confidence thing because he's just not confident in what he's doing at the moment. So it's just quickly sort of get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball. And But even that run for Odell's goal, I thought was a player who has absolutely no confidence because he's basically taking himself out of the game. He's denying himself an opportunity to score. When someone gets a ball where Odell has it yesterday, if you're in that sort of in and around the six-yard box as a player, surely you peel off to the back post, you try and find the space. But Odegaard, but Havertz runs to Odegaard basically makes it impossible for Odegaard to pass the ball to him if he was going to and takes himself out of the game. And it was just it was just a really odd little moment, I thought, in it. And it just kind of sums up where Kai Havertz is for me at the moment. He's had lots of opportunities, even against Sheffield United. He did nothing wrong, particularly in that game against Sheffield United. But this is a £65 million player. This is a player who's brought in to replace such an integral part of last season's team. And we're in November and we are seeing no signs that this is going to work. And that, that is a big, big worry. And I, I hope it works. I hope some, somehow something clicks and we see it work. But it is a worry because I don't know. I'm not seeing 
any suggestion from these performances that Havertz is suddenly going to explode into this Arsenal team. And, you know, had Granit Xhaka been here, and I know you don't want to go back to talking about Granit Xhaka because he's gone, he's moved on. But had Granit Xhaka still been at Arsenal this season, they would be a hell of a better team than they are right now. And I'm not, you know, Arsenal are still doing very, very well. They're playing very well in the Premier League. They're where they want to be, really, in the Premier League, right around the top of the table. They're top of the Champions League group. So this is by no means any disaster. But they are, they're doing all that, I think, by carrying a position in this team because no one has stepped up and replaced Granite Jackie yet or even got close to replacing Granite Jackie yet. And when you look at those two eights yesterday and what they did and what they brought to the team, it's just very, very little. And that is a big worry for me, especially the Kai Havertz one because Vieira, I think we know at the moment, he had a good start to the season. He's done some good stuff. But we know Vieira is a squad player, basically. He's a player who could come on could and shows he can come on and influence games sometimes as a substitute. But Havertz was brought in as a starter and he's just not doing it at the moment. And each opportunity that goes by, it becomes a bigger worry and a bigger, bigger problem. And Arsenal are going to have to resolve it one way or the other because they can't go through a whole season basically carrying a position with a player who's barely contributing in any significant way in the final third when you're playing in that position. And you're not really contributing much defensively at the moment as well. And so as, as much as Jorginho got a lot of abuse yesterday, not abuse, but criticism yesterday, I do feel he was hung out to dry a little bit by Mikel Arteta with those two players who played in front of him. So I thought those uh, questions and those comments that you guys sent in um, kind of hit the nail on the head for me. There's one here from Mosin Beg who says, first of all, credit to West Ham. They came out, played well, defended well, and just an all-round good performance from them. For us, it was poor. We didn't look serious enough. It's all good having possession. But if we don't create any chances, that is pointless. I feel for Ramsdale. I think he's a quality keeper. But today, luck wasn't on his side. and He's going to be back warming the bench for a while. He'll leave in January, I'm sure. He's too good to be a bench warmer. Albeit we got knocked out. It's only the League Cup. I'd rather us challenge for EPL and UCL and put in a good performance in those games. Three points at the tune will keep me happy. In respect to how you've ended that, uh, there's one here from John as well. Says, I disagree with you on the importance of the cup. I'd rather avoid any unnecessary injuries and win the Carabao Cup. United won it last season and it had zero impact on their performances and perception of them. To be fair, I'm not bothered about perception. I'm just bothered about a trophy. And it'd be nice to have a trophy sitting in the trophy cabinet at the end of the season. And there's only four trophies you can win and they're really, really hard to win. And so when you get to the sort of latter stages and had Arsenal won yesterday, they were in the quarterfinals with some big teams not in it anymore. That was a good opportunity to win that trophy. So I don't care if it's the Carabao Cup, really. I just want to see Arsenal win a trophy. It'd be nice. That's what football's all about at the end of the day. Obviously, it's not huge in the grand scheme of things where Arsenal are right now and they've got bigger priorities. But I still, you know, Arsenal haven't won the League Cup since 1993. I was there at Wembley that day as a 12-year-old. I would like to see them win it again. (laughs) It would be nice. And I felt this season was an opportunity to do that. So I am disappointed they are out of this this competition, even if, as I said, it's not the biggest of priorities um, for that. Uh, In terms of Ramsdale here, I don't think he'll go in January. I think he'll go in the summer. I can't see him sticking around unless something drastic happens and and Raya's move isn't made permanent, which I think it will be. I think he'll go in the summer, but I can't see him going in January. It just wouldn't make much sense for me uh, for Arsenal to let that that happen. It would just weaken them drastically in, uh, to do that. So uh, yeah, I'd be very very surprised should uh, should that take place. But thank you very much for uh, for sending in. Your uh, your comment, and that's about it from me today, everyone. Sorry, it's been a bit of a downbeat episode, but. You know, it's a defeat, always a little bit downbeat. It's impossible to to play things up. Arsenal do, of course, come back with a really, really big game this weekend at Newcastle. Had a brilliant win themselves. They made changes last night and they went and won at Old Trafford, which, to be fair, they did without even breaking a sweat by the looks of it. Manchester United, just an absolute horror show at the moment. Um, 
But yeah, Newcastle going, in, going into that game at the weekend against Arsenal, buoyed by that result. Arsenal going into it, looking to bounce back from a really disappointing defeat. Arteta speaking tomorrow at his press conference ahead of that game. Obviously, there's going to be big, big changes for that trip. A lot of the big hitters are going to come back, which is good. I thought it was good that Odegaard got his goal at the end of the game last night because his performances haven't been great lately. So coming on and scoring, even in defeat, will hopefully give his confidence boost ahead of that really, really big, really big game at the weekend. So there you go. There's one slight positive to end today's show on. I'll be back tomorrow to really start looking ahead to that game at Newcastle. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Until then, have a very good Thursday, everyone. And I'll speak to you very, very soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.